It's game week one in year one of Brent Venables, and we've got the first Oklahoma Sooners depth chart for the 2022 season. We'll talk about all that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. So go over there, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. And joining me is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman, Josh, it's depth chart time. Oklahoma Sooners taking on UTEP just a few days from now. We actually get Oklahoma football on the reel. So any kind of initial takeaways as you looked at Brent Medible's first official depth chart for the Oklahoma Sooners? A bunch. Yeah, the offensive side of the football, I think one thing obviously that jumps out for OU is the lack of oars. On that side of the football, I mean, it feels like really across the board, everything from a starting perspective is pretty into pretty put into place, John. Uh, obviously, we knew Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. Running back, we felt like Eric Gray was going to be his job, but really one-two right there. Eric Gray, Marcus Major, that's locked up. There was a little bit of a surprise, I thought, at running back. Tawi Walker alongside Javante Barnes as the third string, those two uh, – both listed as the third stringer, Tawi Walker or Javante Barnes. I thought that was an interesting development for Oklahoma, but just offensively, the fact that there's not a ton of oars over there on that side of the football. And John, that the offensive line really winds up being kind of what we all expected it would be. I know that there was at least for a moment, hey, why did Brent Venables not say Wanye Morris's name? Why did Brent Venables not mention Anton Harrison's name? And lo and behold, what do we wind up with? We wind up with starting left to right across Oklahoma's offensive line, Anton Harrison, McCabe Battaglia, Andrew Rame, Chris Murray, and Wanye Morris. So we kind of, well, we're starting, but we're finishing with the depth chart. We're upstairs. We kind of thought we were going to be starting. Yeah, it seemed like right tackle was kind of the position that was the most up for grabs through the spring, through fall camp. And yeah, the guy that we pretty much expected to be the starting right tackle ended up being that. I know Tyler Guyton was making a lot of noise uh, during fall camp as well, but it seems like maybe we're projecting out a little bit early for him. Now, again, this is a week one depth chart. Things could change as they get on the field and they start playing other opponents. But I like the way the offensive depth chart looks at wide receiver. I was a bit surprised to see that they're going to stick with Marvin Mims as their slot wide receiver. I was hoping that they were going to move him back outside where he could get more clean releases uh, on the outside, but it looks like we're going to see Theo Wees on one side, Jaleel Farouk on the other side and Marvin Mims. Now Jaleel Farouk was a guy that we'd kind of pegged early in the off season as a potential breakout candidate after his Alamo bowl performance, the spring game left a little bit to be desired, but he's had a really good fall camp and he earned a starting job. And I, I think a lot of people have been expecting a breakout season for him, but you know, the, the way the spring game worked out, maybe, 
kind of took a few steps back on that front, but seemed to have rallied uh, in fall camp. Well, what do you make of LV Bunkley Shelton being a little bit down the board at slot? I know that LV Bunkley Shelton was someone that seemed like you were fairly high on coming into uh, this 2022 season. And the fact that he's listed third in the slot position on an initial depth chart behind Marvin Mims, behind Drake Stoops, doesn't mean that LV Bunkley Shelton isn't going to catch a lot of passes for Oklahoma in 2022, right? We take this initial depth chart with a little bit of a grain of salt here, but what do you sort of make out of just everything that played out with wide receiver? I know you talked a little bit about Jaleel Farouk, J.J. Hester and Nick Anderson at that one wide receiver spot. They're both listed as uh, number two over there. Jaden Gibson, I think it's going to be a massive factor for Oklahoma. I think that's reinforced by the fact that he is Theo Weiss's backup, but just the pass catchers in general, uh, beyond what you said about Farouk, what else surprised you a little bit? Yeah, just on LV, I, I think some of it goes to the, the same thing we're seeing with Gavin Sawchuk. You know, Gavin Sawchuk was a summer enrollee for the Oklahoma Sooners, isn't listed on the depth chart, and Brent Venables um, and the coaches show on Tuesday or Monday night mentioned that we're going to probably see a lot more Javante Barnes than we'll see Gavin Sawchuk. And I think that goes to the fact that Barnes was an early enrollee, Sawchuk was a summer enrollee. I think what we're seeing also at wide receiver is the guys who are a little bit higher up on the depth chart. They were either early enrollees or they were here for spring ball because they were carryovers from the previous administration. LV Bunkley Shelton, JJ Hester, their incoming transfers came in during the summertime. You know, JJ is a little bit higher up on the depth chart there, but, and maybe this is even just a, a nod to Drake Stoops and what he means for this program, but I'm not so concerned about where LV's at right now. I think he's definitely going to be factoring in at the position this season, but I believe he's probably the future at slot at the very least for the Oklahoma Sooners in 2023. I mean, this is a very talented dude who made a, a lot of plays for Arizona state, a bad Arizona state team. And he had a guy that had as many receiving yards or sorry, as many receptions as Marvin Mims did. So he's a guy that can produce given the right situation. So I'm not too concerned about that. I thought it was interesting that Jaden Gibson was listed with the sex, second string. I think we're both very high on him and what he's able to do. Um, and Nick Anderson as well. And I think, again, that kind of goes more to my point of like the people who have been here, they've been with the program from either previous years or came in as early enrollees in December. They're a little bit ahead of everybody else. And Brent Venables has talked about that in the past. It's like, it's not that, these guys are much better ball players. It's just that they're a little bit further ahead because they've had more time in the offense, more time in the system. And so they're going to be just a little bit on a, on a better play in a better place than some of these other guys. But I think what it goes to show is that this is a deep wide receiver group. If a guy that I am really a big fan of and in, in Bunkley Shelton is way down the, on the depth chart, I don't think that means he's a bad player. I just think it means we've got really good depth. I think it means Drake Stoops is going to have a really good year this year. I think it means Marvin Mims in the slot. I mean, the, the trio that you have there and Farouk, Mims, and Weiss, to me, that's, hey, we're getting our best three wide receivers on the field together. If that means Marvin has to play in the slot more, then we're going to do that. If it would have been somebody else had emerged, like a Drake Stoops was that much better than Jaleel Farouk, then probably Marvin Mims plays on the outside, Stoops starts in the slot, and Weiss on the other side. And so that's kind of my big takeaway from there. Um Tight end kind of fell the way we thought it was going to fall with Braden Willis as the starter and Daniel Parker as kind of the second guy there. Yeah, no surprise at tight end at all. I mean, exactly what you would have expected. I think the interesting storyline there 
is with the couple of freshmen that Caden Helms is listed third string and Jason Llewellyn is a little bit behind, at least as of right now, maybe where uh, Caden Helms is at, because there's no or in between those two. It's Caden Helms third string and Jason Llewellyn is fourth string between those two. Yeah. You know, you, you look at the wide receivers here and again, kind of plays out at least to start sort of what we thought with Weiss, with Mims and Farouk, the, Top three that we thought coming uh, into the spring and beyond being the top three as we start the 2022 season. But just seeing all 10 of those names sort of put onto paper makes you feel good. Makes you feel pretty good about what Oklahoma's got in terms of the pass catching department. Obviously, you toss uh, Braden Willis into that group, maybe Daniel Parker a little bit as well. So the skill guys, I, I like how that's shaking out here for Oklahoma. I think offensive line. Another thing that's pretty interesting, we heard a lot of buzz about both Jacob Sexton and Jake Taylor throughout camp, and that is backed up, right, with this uh, depth chart right here for Oklahoma where, let's see, Jake Taylor is the backup right guard and Jake Sexton is the backup right tackle. So those guys, okay, we'll see. Maybe it takes uh, an injury or some unforeseen set of circumstances for those guys to see really serious snaps right here in 2022, John, but man, just that right there is an indication from Brent Venables, from Coach Bill Biedenboe, that probably not going to be probably not going to be too long for those two guys before, again, they start seeing meaningful snaps up front for OU. Yeah, and I think we'll get to see them early this season, especially against UTEP and Kent State, but are we looking at the potential starting right side of this offensive line in 2023? They, they must be pretty far along if they're already considered the backups at those positions. I mean, those are important spots along the offensive line. I mean, that's going to be Dylan Gabriel's blind side in 2022. If he's here with them in 2023, that's the blind side, you know, the, cause he's a lefty. And so I, I thought that that was really, really fascinating. And I'm glad that you brought that up before we switched over to the defense, because the fact that your true freshman offensive linemen are so far along that you can already count on them to be the backups at those positions. I think that's, that's huge uh, for Oklahoma. You know, they've got some solid depth. I mean, I think this is a team that, has done a really nice job in building depth in areas where they felt like, okay, maybe we needed to add some. They did that in the offseason. We're, we're not even talking about the Northern Colorado transfer, Kyle Ergenbrecht, either. I mean, that's a guy that's got a lot of experience. He's not listed on the depth chart either. So this is a team that has quite a few guys that a lot of people like. Gavin Sawchuk, this, you know, Kyle Ergenbrecht. So many dudes that could be on the depth chart that aren't. And that, that just goes to speak to the depth and the talent that they've added this offseason. Let's turn the page. We'll talk about the defensive side of the football, but let me talk to you about BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. As Oklahoma gets ready to go into week one, right now they're minus 31-point favorites over the UTEP Miners, and that over-under is sitting at 53, sorry, 57 so if you're liking Oklahoma to win big over the minors, maybe you go to bet online. Take the Oklahoma minus the points. Or if you're thinking they're going to have a big, big performance on the offensive side of the football, maybe you like Oklahoma to, to hit the over the 57 points between them and UTEP. Hey, I think Brent Venables and Jeff Levy are going to come out full guns blazing. But go to bet online. Again, it's the number one source for all your sports betting needs. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online is where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners again your first listen of the day. Go check out one of the other great Locked On podcasts here on the network, whether it's Locked On Thunder, 
with our man, the phenomenal Ryland Styles, or you're going to check out Locked On Chiefs as Patrick Mahomes hopes to get the Kansas City Chiefs back into the Super Bowl this year. That's the place to go. So, Josh, looking at the defensive side of the football, things not as quite not quite as settled as the offensive side of the football there. Any kind of big takeaways as you look at that group? Big takeaways. I think it's interesting that Deshaun White is the listed starter at Cheetah for Oklahoma. I don't know what to make about it, okay? I'll play glass half full, glass half empty with you, okay, with Deshaun White starting – Listed here at the Cheetah, okay? Do you want glass half full or glass half empty first? Well, let's go empty because I'm also a positive guy. So we'll go empty, positive, positive. Gotcha. I love it. I wonder what this means that, to me, he was beat out by David Aguebu and Danny Stutzman at what would be sort of your traditional inside backer type roles, the mic for David Aguebu and the will for Danny Stutzman. The fact that Justin Harrington, we heard so many positive things about him throughout this camp. I wonder in some ways if this isn't a little bit of, hey, Deshaun White, you chose to come back. You're a leader on this team. We'll talk about captains here in a little bit, but obviously Deshaun White was granted that designation as well for Oklahoma. I'm just, I'm in wait and see if this is not a little bit of a placeholder for Deshaun White that, yeah, we're going to let you start at Cheetah versus UTEP, but we'll see what happens beyond that because Justin Harrington is the option that's maybe a little bit more natural for that role. I mean, you just look at the the body body type, six foot three, two fifteen for Justin Harrington. That gives him a little bit I mean, obviously he's the clear choice when you're in passing down situations. And we'll just see what kind of the overall vision is for Brent Vittables in this defense. Okay, so that's glass half empty on this deal. Glass half full it gives Deshaun White a legitimate opportunity here to really make himself some money. If in this cheetah position, Deshaun White gets out there and shows that he really possesses some unique coverage skills, that's the most valuable thing, right? For any linebacker projecting forward in today's National Football League. So if Deshaun White, if this is serious and he's going to be the main down in and down out guy for Oklahoma defensively at that cheetah position, then man, he's got an even better chance than we thought to really make himself some money in 2022. Yeah. I'm going to take the glass half full approach in that this is Oklahoma's way of trying to get their bet. their three linebackers on the field at the same time. You look at the cheetah position, you look at a guy like Isaiah Simmons. I mean, this was a guy that played all over the place. He rushed the passer, you know, had great run support, played in coverage, could drop deep. Deshaun White, he's not a big backer. I mean, he's more of like a strong safety body style. And the cheetah position, to me, it's kind of a hybrid of all of it. It's part safety. It's part slot player. It's part uh, linebacker. It's not any one of those things. Now, situationally, it could be asked to do any one of those things. It could be asked to be the third safety on the field or the third linebacker or the third uh, defensive back, the third cornerback. And so I don't, I'm not going to jump to conclusions. It's kind of like what we talked about in the first segment about, you know, Anton Harrison and Wanya Morris. I mean, there were guys getting buzz in camp and people were concerned and wondering whether or not, you know, Anton Harrison and Wanya Morris were going to start. Well, lo and behold, they're starting. I mean, Justin Harrington has been getting a lot of buzz and deservedly. So at the same time, Deshaun White is a steady presence for that linebacker group. He's the guy with the most experience of the group, the most snaps uh, for this Oklahoma Sooners defense. And so you, you want that on the field. 
And Justin Harrington's going to get opportunities. He's going to play. He's going to play a lot. But I think Deshaun White is – I've always projected him to be a starter at linebacker. I didn't know it was going to be the cheetah position, but I felt like he was going to start for this team somewhere because of the things that you mentioned, the leadership, the experience. And he's an athlete. He's got speed. He's got ability. I mean, he wouldn't be on this roster, and he wouldn't be starting if he didn't have some ability. Like none of the, I don't think they're giving anything away on this team. I think what they're doing is they're promoting the guys who they feel like are going to give them the best chance to win. And I think Deshaun White does that. I mean, again, early in the season, a lot could change. It's going to be an evolving depth chart. But you look at the current state of the Big 12, it's not the pass-happy league that we're used to from years past. There's a lot more really good running teams. And when you're playing a, a, a team like Kansas State, who's going to run the ball a lot with Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn, you need to have an extra guy that can help out and run support against Bajan Robinson in Texas. You might need a guy that's better fit to support in the run game. Um, does that potentially make them a little bit more uh, have, a, have a little bit more of a liability in the passing game? Maybe, but I think Deshaun White's a pretty good coverage guy. Maybe not a great one, but he might have turned into that over the offseason. A lot of these guys, I think, are going to have career years in their first season in Brent Venable's defense. So I'm not really yet willing yet to jump to any kind of conclusions on that. But I think what it what it goes to show is that they still trust Deshaun White and they're going to give him the first opportunity. Obviously, if he isn't able to kind of carry the water on that. Then Justin Harrington seems like a, a really good option. Created a lot of buzz in camp. Uh, one thing that was interesting to me is as you look at the defensive line. My guy, Marcus Stripling, isn't listed as a starter. Reggie Grimes, Ethan Downs, I think a lot of people kind of had projected that duo to be the starting edge guys. But on the interior, looks like we got a bit of a rotation on our hands at nose tackle and at defensive tackle. Nose tackle with Jeffrey Johnson and Jordan Kelly and at defensive tackle with Isaiah Coe. Oh, I got that backwards. Sorry, I'm going to have to... Uh, Jordan Kelly and Jalen Redman. Thank you. And Isaiah Co. and Jeffrey Johnson. Sorry, I lost my place and I just started spouting out names. So I, I think that's interesting. I think either it can be one or two things. We still have a competition taking place or they just plan on rotating these guys and making sure that they stay fresh. What's your take on it? Let's find out, right? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. It, it kind of seems to me very much like Oklahoma is taking a rotational approach off the just across the board at defensive end at defensive tackle at nose tackle here, how they've got it listed. I'm going to be hard pressed to believe that Marcus Stripling is not going to see a similar amount of snaps as both Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes until again, I see that Marcus Stripling is not getting the same amount of snaps as Reggie Grimes or Ethan Downs, just based off really. I mean, maybe it's putting stock into one bowl game performance a little bit too much, but man, are you kidding me? with what we saw from Strip in the uh, in the Alamo Bowl versus Oregon, he looked like one of the next stars of this defense. So the idea that he's not going to get a legitimate chance to see a bunch of snaps, uh, I don't know. Again, I'd be surprised if that's the case. Uh, I mean, obviously it's a good sign for both Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs that they're going to get the first opportunities for Oklahoma at defensive end. But beyond that, I mean, look, the, the fact that our Mason Thomas is listed twice at both defensive end spots tells me, okay, they're they're thinking that R. Mason Thomas is going to play for them. Jonah Laula is going to play for them. Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, Marcus Stripling, all of those guys 
at defensive end probably in some way, shape, or form and fashion are going to rotate through. I think the same thing at defensive tackle. I kind of feel like this is a little bit of a kick in the behind maybe to Jalen Redmond a little bit because just on paper, seems like Jalen Redmond is the most talented, the obvious surefire starting choice for Oklahoma at any of these defensive tackle spots, and yet he gets the or designation along with Jordan Kelly. So I feel like that was a little bit of, hey, uh, you might want to pick it up, buddy, because it wasn't necessarily the camp from you that maybe we were looking for. Jeffrey Johnson, Isaiah Coe, similar story there that, hey, you've got a couple of guys rotating through, which I liked a lot of what we saw from Isaiah Coe a season ago. So I think just across the board, defensive end, defensive tackle, you've probably got a rotation there, eight, nine, ten players that Oklahoma feels pretty good about. And that's not a bad thing. Like as the season goes along, there's going to be attrition due to injury. It just happens. It's natural. Football's a rough game. It's a tough physical sport. In the secondary, I mean, we talked about it last week with Parker Thune. Jaden Davis was the guy that looked like he was trending toward being the starter at cornerback. And here we are. Jaden Davis is going to start on the opposite side of Woody Washington. So we shouldn't be all that surprised by that. That was kind of the buzz coming out of camp. Uh, and you hope that this is the, the season that it clicks for him. You know, he's been up and down throughout his career, but maybe he just kind of found a new gear with Jay Valai and in Brent Venable's defense that is going to really unlock the skills that made him a highly regarded prospect coming out of high school. Yeah, and I'm not ready to write the final chapter by any means on no, DJ Graham, who we've seen really do some nice things at corner at times for Oklahoma. And Jaden Davis, kind of like DJ Graham. Uh, really anybody on this Oklahoma roster at corner We've seen some really, really nice things. We've seen some getting torched out there for these guys at corner. And that goes for Woody Washington as well. So, you know, obviously Jaden Davis and Woody Washington are your starters here to start. But uh, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination counting out Kendall Dennis. And even before that, I think DJ Graham at some point probably is going to factor in at corner for OU. At safety, kind of what we expected, right? Just based on the buzz that had been generated throughout camp. Billy Bowman. There's no uh, no or next to his name. There is, though, in his backup, Trey Morrison or DeMond Harmon. And then, obviously, the free safety spot. That was a strong safety with Billy Bowman. The free safety spot, he Lawrence or Justin Bros, which I think that's pretty interesting in terms of the ors on defense. Yeah, and I looked at that so many times because I felt like they got it flipped. Like, if I was looking at this defense and projecting out, Billy Bowman would be my free safety and Key Lawrence and Justin Broyles would be my strong safety. Those would be the guys that I would like. If I'm going to bring a safety into the box, it's one of those two guys versus Billy Bowman. Not to say Billy Bowman can't tackle, can't help in run support, but he's probably their most athletic defensive back. And that's the guy that I want ranging sideline to sideline, trying to make plays on the football in the passing game. And so that was a little bit surprising to me. But yeah, to see Key Lawrence and Justin Broyles kind of splitting that first team uh, selection for the Oklahoma Sooners depth chart, is a bit surprising, but maybe just one of those like situationally, depending on what we're seeing in a given game, we might use both these guys. We might go three safeties. Again, Justin Broyles is a guy I thought might be able to factor in in that cheetah position as well. Someone who can play in the slot. You can run him as a strong safety. You can play him as a free safety if necessary. So that's that. That's going to be really fascinating to follow as the season goes along. Who's going to get the most snaps there? And I'm thankful for my Pro Football Focus subscription because it's going to allow me to, to see that snap breakdown week to week for this defensive back group. Uh, let's move to the specialists, the special teams, Josh. 
Um, not really a whole lot to talk about. You know, Zach Schmidt wins the kicking job. He's the guy with the experience. He was perfect on his lone attempt uh, from as a field goal uh, attempt last year and on four PATs. So he gets he gets the nod there. Michael Turk, obviously one of the best punters in college football last season, returns. And then the returners. We don't really have any clarity there, but what we do know is that Oklahoma is not going to be afraid to use a starter to return kicks for them, whether it's on offense or defense, Marvin Mims, Eric Gray, Marcus Major, Billy Bowman, all included as potential returners for the Oklahoma Sooners. I love that too, don't you? I mean, that's very old school stoops for Oklahoma to look down here at this depth chart and see Billy Bowman, Major, Farouk, all in the mix, or, or, kick return, punt return, Marvin Mims, Gray, LV Bunkley, Shelton, or, or, I mean, look, these are guys, uh, certainly in the case of Mims, Gray, and Bowman, that we think all three of those guys, and, and Farouk too, right, is listed as a clear-cut starter for Oklahoma. So for OU to put the emphasis on these guys to, to be heavily involved in the return game, I think shows you a clear indication of Brent Venables, vision for what he wants Oklahoma to look like really across the board, just kind of, you know, trickling into the third phase of the football game, man, he wants to be aggressive. And at times Lincoln Riley, because uh, you're trying to protect against a giveaway in the special teams game, really didn't really didn't try for explosive plays in the special teams department. That's no longer the case with, I mean, just even looking at this depth chart right here where we don't have kick return or punt return finalized. I think it's a pretty obvious indication for, from Brent Venables that, hey, we are going to try to make explosive plays happen in the special department. And that's so key. I mean, giving away, just giving up on special teams and not even trying, to me, is just so soft. Like, that's an element that can change the course of a game. I mean, we saw it in Oklahoma State. I mean, it it first it gave Oklahoma an opportunity to take control of that game. And then Oklahoma state was able to take control of the game on special teams. It's such an important factor and to not even address it like Lincoln Riley wouldn't at times is still just baffling to me. I mean, so many things can come down to one play on special teams. And if you're willing to put your best players back there to make a play, we saw it some when they throw CD land back there as the punt returner and he was, and he, capitalize like he took advantage of those opportunities i would love to see marvin mims eric gray marcus major you know getting these opportunities to to make plays on special teams because it can really change the course of a game we talked about it on our show yesterday about scott frost you know electing the onside kick went up 11 bad special teams decisions can really hurt you great special teams decisions can really change the complexion of a football game so I'm excited for that. Any other takeaways that you want to mention about the depth chart before we briefly talk about uh, who was elected camp captain for the Oklahoma Sooners? No, I think we, we touched on uh, obviously a, a lot of it right here. I know some people earlier were kind of curious about where Jaron Canick fit into the equation. Just uh, judging from Sooner social media out there, he's listed as a backup at, uh, at Mike for Oklahoma. So I thought that was pretty interesting for Oklahoma. Kelvin Gilliam, we, uh, heard so much about his physical transformation this offseason where now all of a sudden he's basically up to three bills and uh, right now he's uh he's I guess you'd say third string nose tackle for Oklahoma technically I guess you could go second string too right behind Jeffrey Johnson and Isaiah Coe but I thought those were two other kind of interesting things in terms of the defense yeah and there's not a lot of 
I mean, not all the freshmen are listed and that that's not a slight against them. Like there's a reason that they've got so many years of eligibility It's because not everybody's ready to show up and contribute right away. And that's okay. Like don't take, you know, whatever your favorite true freshman is coming in or favorite transfer is coming in. If they're not listed on this depth chart, that's not necessarily a projection for what their future with the Oklahoma Sooners is going to be. A guy like Gavin Sachuk is still going to be very heavily involved in this offense and may still very well be heavily involved in this offense this season. I kind of you know, opined with somebody on Twitter today asking about it. I was like, maybe they just don't want to put Gavin Sachuk on film yet. Maybe they're holding him back so that they can have a, a package of plays for him against Texas or against Baylor where it's like, oh, crap, we haven't seen Gavin Sachuk yet. What has he got? And they can just kind of unleash that speed on some unsuspecting teams. I mean, you could go down the list. Gentry, Gentry Williams, he's one of the fastest players on this team. He's going to contribute at some point in his Oklahoma career. He's going to be a starter. I'll go even that far. He's going to start for the Oklahoma Sooners at defensive back at some point in his career. It doesn't have to be right away for all these guys. And in fact, not all these guys are going to be ready to play right away. And that's okay. That's why they get a redshirt year. That's why they get a transition period. And that's why they're going to have several years to contribute on this team. So talking about the captains, Oklahoma released their five captains for the 2022 season, or at least for the UTEP game, Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. That's an obvious one. Everybody's talked about his leadership throughout the offseason. Braden Willis, one of the key returners from the 2021 team. Again, another vocal leader for this squad, somebody that a lot of the players turn to. Uh, David Aguebu was a bit of a surprise for me, uh, but I think, Again, another guy who received a ton of buzz out of spring and fall camp, just about the transformation that he underwent to really make himself football ready to play the linebacker position. And you see it reflected in him starting at linebacker and also being a captain. And then Deshaun White is a captain as well. And then Justin Broyles is going to be a captain. And for me, I, I kind of think of that one more as probably your special teams captain. Um, Cause when he met with the media at OU media day, he talked a lot about special teams and the importance of it and the, the key role it plays on this Oklahoma centers team. Any surprises for you on the, the captaincies? No, I mean, a lot of guys that have been in Oklahoma and done that save for Dylan Gabriel, right. Uh, in that department, but everybody else there is somebody that's been around this program for a long time, obviously veteran leadership and older guys that you expect to get quite a bit of production from Dylan Gabriel, no brainer. He's the quarterback. He's the man that uh, obviously has the plan with Jeff Levy's offense. And we've talked ad nauseum, heard a lot about that ever since uh, Dylan Gabriel arrived in all off season. So it's no shock with him really just your quarterback in general, typically is probably going to be one of your captains. And then just everybody else, again, just experienced veteran guys that I don't think uh, any of those voices are surprising. Yeah. And so with the depth chart, with the captain selected, that means like football is about to happen. Like we can, we can taste it. So we're about just a few days away. If you're listening to this on Monday night on the YouTube side or on Tuesday morning on the podcast side, then we're either three or four days away from Oklahoma to opening the 2022 college football season against UTEP. And we're so excited to be able to talk about that here with you on Locked on Sooners. Again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Make sure you go drop a like, hit the notification bell. And hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to, go leave an Apple review or over on Google, leave a review of the show. Let us know how you feel about it. 
Make sure you give it a five stars, though, so that more people can find the show. But until next time where we can start breaking down UTEP and start offering our keys to the game and really digging into football, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John. He's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.